Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey, y'all. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm super excited for you to meet our guest today, Eliza Reynolds. I'm going to tell you all about her, what we're going to talk about, and why I really wanted her on the podcast this week in just a minute. But before I do that, I have a couple of announcements. So number one, Enrollment for the fall cohort of Flow 365 has officially closed. We've welcomed in a new group of amazing women, which is always so exciting. And we get to dive deep this weekend as I'm recording this on a on our 90-day retreat, on our quarterly retreat, which is it's always so fun to witness people's dreams and aspirations. And that said, I got a lot more emails this time than I ever have before, and I was really launching kind of quietly just to our list. We're going to have a little bit of a bigger splash of a launch um, heading into 2022. And so I was thinking about it, and I was thinking that there might be a lot of you who want to get clear on what you want to create this fall, how to create balance this fall, how to really start leaning into your dreams, and might not be ready for the commitment of flow, which is totally understandable. So what we're doing is we're going to open up a couple of workshops that will be sprinkled throughout September and maybe the first week of October that are about you making plans for yourself. And then you can come spend 90 minutes and you can have some coaching and you can be stepped through a process. You can do one of these workshops, you can do all of these workshops, and they will be priced more like a yoga class. And so that hopefully will get you the base of your plan so that you know what you're you want to be up to this fall, even though maybe you didn't jump into Flow 365. So I'm super excited about those workshops. And if making a plan for your fall, a balanced plan for your fall is something that you're thinking about, I hope that you will join me. And you can, again, find out about those by going to plansimple.com. And in the bar at the top, there will be a link to the workshops. So that's thing number one. Thing number two is that it's going to be a full fall (laughs) around here. And, you know, flow is really what I said we do. It's like the way to work with me. It's the way to do the work and get into the flow methodology is by doing this program. And I haven't launched a course in a long time because I really do believe in in showing up and doing this work. And we talk a lot about, you know, time and how you're spending your time and your wellness and self-care and your work and how you show up in your family and how to balance all that in time. And we definitely touch on motherhood because pretty much 98% of you are mothers. Yet, I think that there's a piece of motherhood that is deeper than we go and flow and is helpful to uncover and figure out how we want to show up, what we want to spend time on as mothers around motherhood. And I have this knowing because I spent the past year really focused on how I needed to show up as a mother at first for a child in crisis. And then just considering that I have, you know, two teens and a tween, and I really want to show up as my fullest self and give them permission to become their most authentic selves. And so I've been working with a mentor, Syl Reynolds, who you might have met on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And Syl and I are teaming up to 
bring you easeful motherhood, which is going to be a six-week experience. I'd rather call it an experience than a course. We are going to be diving into different topics that Syl has been teaching for many years and that I have been practicing, some for many years and some for this year. And we're going to coach you and listen to what's going on and give you feedback and let you really dive into what your motherhood wants to look like as we head out of this pretty survival moment, right? Like COVID was no joke as a mother. And so as we head into the fall, it's just a really good opportunity, I think, to get grounded. And, you know, motherhood is messy. And, but it's also just it's, it's the messiest and the most wonderful thing that most of us do. And it's such an opportunity, I think, to really evolve into the people we want to be so that we give our kids the permission to be who they're wanting to be. And it's work you won't regret doing. And I am so honored and excited to be doing this with Syl, because to me, she is the wise elder who um, really knows what she's doing, really has walked her talk, and you're just going to love having her in your court. So if any of that sounds appealing, go check out the page where we wrote up exactly what you get and why you might want to sign up for Easeful Motherhood over at plansimple.com slash easefulmotherhood. There will also be a link somewhere on that page to get you there, but that is how you would get directly there. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me. And that is starting mid-September. And it's, you know, we're gonna, I'm gonna stop enrollment at a certain point, at a certain size. So yes, you have until probably September 13th to sign up. And if we hit a number that feels like we can't see you all, we can't hear you all every time, I'm gonna cut off enrollment. So definitely sign up earlier rather than later. Um, you definitely won't regret it if there's something you're wanting to work on around motherhood. And just to give you some clues, like some people might have, you know, a kid you're worried about going back to school after COVID. Maybe you had an issue during COVID. Maybe your kid has made choices and you're not sure how to navigate them. Um, maybe you're just having a hard time. You're just really tired. And this is going to be just a container of magic to help you get yourself back. Maybe like many of us, you've gone down this um, tech rabbit hole of COVID and you're not sure how to get back to loving boundaries that you want to be with with your kid. Um, there's no there's no end to why you would want to do this, but you just have a knowing that there's that as a mother, you're wanting to show up in a slightly different way or have a little bit more support as you head into the fall and the winter. All right, I think that's all I have to say about that, except that guess what? Our guest. Eliza is Syl's daughter. And together, they have taught many a mother and daughter workshop. They wrote a book called Mothering and Daughtering. I highly recommend it if you have a daughter. Um, Syl wrote the mothering half and Eliza wrote the daughtering half. And then in the middle, there's a workshop slash retreat that you can do with your daughter or daughters. And the audiobook is each of them recording their part, and I highly recommend the audiobook. And Eliza has taken the work, so her and her mom did these retreats for 15 years. And now Eliza has decided that she really wants to support these tween and teen girls. And if you love what you learn on things like this podcast or any sort of personal growth circles that you're in, or you've been to our summits and you love them, what Eliza has created is that for tween and teen girls. So she's basically teaching them all the things that were just not taught a little bit earlier than probably you and I learned them. And it's amazing what she's created. So she has a podcast. And the reason that we're putting this live now is that she also has an academy. It's called the Badass Girls Academy. And it's kind of like Hogwarts, but for our tween and teen girls. And 
I can't highly recommend it enough. Um, I got to listen in to some of the stuff because my daughter has been in it for the past six months. It's just, it's so cool that this exists for our girls. And she basically has trained all these mentors so that our girls have mentors who are not us because we can't do everything. And I'm going to let Eliza tell you even more on this episode because she really breaks down why we need a village um, on this episode. And so did Syl on her episode. So go back and listen to that one too, for sure. But you're going to love Eliza. She's so clear and so it's so amazing. It's so amazing what she's doing for this next generation of girls who need this more than ever. I've heard from numerous sources that girls really had the hardest time during COVID and are having the hardest re-entry. And I couldn't really agree. I, I agree a lot because I've had that experience in my house. And I just can't wait for you to meet her. And I hope that you can take some of these gems and integrate them into your life. And if you have that tween or teen who could use some some learning, you might want to dive deeper and click some of the link. We'll put a bunch of links in the show notes that will just be how to get the next level of Eliza um, so that you can hear all the things. All right. I think that's, I said a lot. So with no further ado, let's actually get Eliza on the show. Hello, Eliza. Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. Hi, Mia Love. Thanks for having me. So excited to be here today. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to have this perspective on the podcasts because it is not an easy time to be a mother. And I feel like you have this just other, other perspective for us today. So I'm super excited to tap into all the things that, you know, Yay. so give us a little background just so that we can like get grounded in who you are and yeah, what it is that you're here to do. Amazing. So I have a unique story. I mean, don't we all, but I, I was born to a mama who's a mover and a shaker. Aren't all you mamas, but I was born into a home where my mom worked with women and girls around same solutions to body image. So when we sat around at the dinner table, we talked about the, you know, problematic history of the BMI. And we talked about what dreams we had the night before and how our soul impacted our lives. And so this is the norm that I grew up with. And I began teaching with her when I was 15 years old. So I have a unique perspective. I'm 30 and I've been in this field facilitating preteens and teens for 15 years, thousands of preteens and teens. And I wrote a book with my mom on the mother daughter relationship when I was 19. And, um, I'm a professional big sister, <laughs> right? I think every young person, specifically young people that socialized as girls deserve a big sister or big sibling who has their back no matter what, where there's no judgment and there's no topic that's weird that we can't talk about. And I found in 15 years of facilitating young people that they want to go deep. They want to be real, um, especially in a culture that's so, so fake and more and more social media-y and that parents of preteens and teens especially shouldn't be in there alone. And I think parents can get so much shame and blame and doing it right and doing it wrong. And, um, my 15 years of work is in devotion to supporting parents and to supporting young people to go through the brilliant, fun, ferocious, intense preteen and teenage years with the true support that they deserve. I don't think it just needs to be high-risk therapy. I think everyone deserves more mental health support so they can thrive and not just survive during the preteen and teenage years. So that's what I do. I love it. I love it. And I just want to add two things. First of all, yeah. Everyone here has heard your mama. So her, so Yay. Eliza's mom is Syl and Syl and I will be teaching a course around the Aww. time that this is coming out. So I'm super excited. And she's someone who I love, like, I just love everything about Syl and she's an important part of my inter- inter- <laughs> intergenerational team. Yay. So, so fan so club. Yay. Reunited. Yes. So good. <laughs> super fan club. And the other thing I want to say is that in reading Eliza's book, which I've read, mm. um, and having, I have two girls and a son. So Eliza's work is most is for, how do you say it? Folks girls socialized and identified as, girls. Full, so, full so, socialized as girls, right? Socialized so they were girls. raised as like by society to be like, you're a girl, which oh, yeah. can just have layers of experience. And that's what we tend yeah. to focus on in our program. And 
And we're going to, so that's going to be Eliza's perspective for this, but I have to say that just as many of those things work for my 17 year old boy. Yeah. So I just, I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. 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 We're yeah, less yeah. different as humans than sometimes society tells us we are a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And my dinner table kind of reminisces your dinner table growing yeah. up. So, yeah, and totally. my son has had to hear just as much about all of that as my girl. Well, <laughs> Seriously. Yes. I yes. am always a big fan of applause for anyone raising a dude, boy, cis, human, masculine, right? Who is in there having conversations about periods and bodies because they're just so much better prepared for the world. I mean, you know, as you can imagine in working with thousands of girls, I'm like the big sister who gets all the dating calls and all of the sex mm-hmm. calls from hundreds mm-hmm. of girls. 100%. And, um, I can tell you without a doubt, the ones who are dating boys who are raised by amazing parents having conversations like that are just like another creature than the ones who aren't. Um, and it's just so beautiful to watch. I feel like more and more teen boys being raised that way. So thank you for raising a conscious one. (laughs) All right. So let's talk, let's talk. There's two ways that I want to go at the beginning. So let's just start with one. So let's first talk about this whole thing about, because it, it dovetails so perfectly into what you do about how we end up in doing this. So alone. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I was literally just editing a sentence about this, (laughs) um, as we were getting on and, you know, it, it was, it was like really one of the, the, worst parts to the institution of motherhood is that we decided something like that we didn't decide us people like it was decided for us that that it was going to be done alone and somehow that that somewhere along the line became almost a badge of honor right like the more we could yeah Yeah. the more we could do this alone the better and in fact if we need to ask for help oh my gosh like yeah you're totally that's not cool so let's let's unpack that a little because i know that you've seen what happens when oh when parents are not doing this alone so let's talk a little bit about what does happen yeah so the first phrase that i want to drop here is pure culture and i know you've hung out with my mom so i know you know some about this i'm not sure how much your pod community knows about this but we live in a time where there's a lot of peer oriented peer culture And the best example and simple phrases that I have for people is Lord of the Flies. So many of us were assigned to read that book or have heard that, right? Where what happens when people of a similar developmental level are just, you know, in a social space by themselves, no adult intergenerational input. And the results are often disastrous, right? And so we have a really big problem with toxic mean girl community. That's what we call it, toxic mean girl culture. And unfortunately, I really have to describe what that is because most people nod along go, oh yeah. And what I will say is, you know, I believe it's rooted in supremacy, it's judgment, it's it's negative hierarchy, all these things we teach about it in our programs. But I don't believe that mean girls are born. I believe they are taught. Yeah. And I'm talking about this in terms of parenting because I believe that parents are up against this and they so often don't realize it. So what do you hear as your kid becomes a preaching to a teen? So often you hear, oh, just let them go. They need their peers more than they need you. And yet we get into middle school and high school and sometimes earlier. And there are so many toxic norms in our culture, right? There are so many toxic norms in this community in where it's really like so normal amongst so many teenage girls, for example, to hate themselves. That's like a whole culture of friendship to just get together to complain about how hard things are, to be competitive and catty. Um, And nobody likes it, it doesn't feel good. We don't do it because it feels good. And we do it because it's taught. We do it because we're trying to feel safe. And at the heart of a lot of that toxic culture is actually pulling away from parents in an unhealthy way. So developmentally, we actually need grounded adults who have our back, no matter what, we don't take our resistance personally. And yet many adults get in this contrary message, just let them go. Don't hover. Don't be a helicopter parent. So me and my mom in 13 years of working together, got really obsessed with saying, stay hanging there with your kids, right? Become the grounded helicopter path that they return to again and again and again. But here's the thing. If you are just trying to pull your kid back 
solo from the jaws of toxic mean girl culture and say, I'm going to basically bring the oxygen to oxygen to you, honey, we're going to get through this. You will not get the toxic body image messages. You will not have the toxic dating. You'll not have toxic drink, drinking culture, all of those things that so many parents of preteens and teens are rightfully scared of. It's really freaking hard because it's just you. And while you are the most, there's studies on this, had the biggest psychological impact on your kid. Congratulations. <laughs> you have that power. It's also insidious and everywhere, all this toxic culture, right? And so yeah. what I became really obsessed with as my intersection, my offering is what if we could provide communities for preteens and teens with healthy peer culture. And at the core to me of healthy peer culture is healthy intergenerational mentorship, meaning yeah. we do not leave the kids alone. However, we don't just say, here's a pat on the head from somebody way older than you. We weave together wise, trained mentors, big siblings, big sisters who've been through it recently, who get it and are turning around to say, I got you. You're not alone. You're worthy. You're magical. And we so often say the words that parents are already saying, but because it's from the, you know, the lips of a cool 19 year old or 17 year old or 25 year old, or in my case, 30 year old, they actually listen. <laughs> And then yeah. we're surrounding these young people with choruses of grounded love and support. And I think so many parents are unfortunately taught to see that as a luxury or a last ditch resort. Okay. So my kid is really, really struggling. Unfortunately, we see parents come to us, you know, when there's been self-harm or there's been depression, right? There's been something really difficult and, you know, it's an honor to be with your kid at whatever stage. And I wish we had a culture where more and more parents said, um, I'm deserving of support of a village to help me raise my kid. <laughs> it's possible. And we're one option of that village with the work that we do at Badass Girls. But we, I believe we can create them in so many places wherever we yeah. live. But we need to be looking for it, believing we deserve it, and then helping build it around the kids. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like, and some of us have that. It's just like really even formalizing it and even understanding it in your head. Like, so let's just say you can't even be part of Badass Academy because you have a boy or like your kid's too young. Yeah. Like so many things, like the whole idea that like kids and some, I know some people listening probably have homeschool communities or their kids are in a yeah. Montessori or whatever, but in normal situations, like the idea of grades is so silly oh because gosh. then you don't even get the kid, you know, like, so just even letting your kid play in the neighborhood with like the kid, yeah. even though, you know, just cause you're like kind of nearby and other moms kind of nearby, but like the kids yeah. are different ages. Like there's so many different ways, coaches, and just like having the pulse though, on the messages, obviously that they're giving our kids. Totally. Um, and and being intentional part. about the other adults, you know, you really intentionally building community. Yeah. Right. And so one of my favorite exercises to invite parents to do is to actually notice what are your values it might feel really clear. or it might be like, you know, let me, let me update that last time I thought about it, you know, I was thinking about their kindergarten choice and then we just kind of got, got going and here we are, but like, really, you know, what are your values? A lot of the parents who come to us, they, they really like care about mindfulness or mental health about, you know, nourishing our, our bodies, but also nourishing our minds and our hearts or emotional intelligence or, um, sex positive parenting. Like, like, what are we really standing for? Okay. And then where are the other adults or community members who share those values? Right. Yeah. And then how can I consciously build or support my kid in building bridges to them creating their own relationships with those adults, not just me being in relationship to them. So it, great. It could be a coach. It could be a babysitter. It could be a cousin an auntie. You know, I think for some people, it feels like it comes easily. And also just a shout out to folks who are like, Eliza, I am trying over here. It's so hard. I get a lot of those emails too. Like I've been trying, where are they? You know, yes, so 100%. we're happy to be on the team and, um, you're not alone. It can feel really, you know, alienating sometimes to be standing for what you stand for with your kid in this world. And, um, I promise we're here <laughs> me and Mia and many others. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And well, and actually one of a, a big aha for me at some point was so like a lot of my really good friends who like I'm in the same value system are younger than me and have yeah. younger kids than mine. Or I also had my son when I was 27. So like yeah. I was young. So my like really good friends ha had kids younger than me. So I found yeah. myself being in like mentorship totally. place. And so then when I started making, like having friends that had kids, my kids age, I really like there's the same thing happens with mothers in peer culture, because one of the most intentional things I ended up having to do was like, go find 
people who had my values with kids older than me so that I could have mentors because you just can't see what you can't see. Phases feel like they're going to last forever. And it's really hard to know in the moment whether they're going to last for a week or four years. And it's just so helpful to get perspective, no matter you know, who you are, whether it's from a coach or a friend or whatever, but just that perspective in mothering, it's the same thing. So if you're having a trouble thinking of it for your kid, even just realizing how that would work in your own life and then be like, of course, I would want to give my kids what I'm seeing is helping me. Totally. And naming that wanting mentors or wanting community can be incredibly vulnerable. You know, Um, I talk about toxic mean girl community and I, painfully joke that everybody kind of knows what I mean, probably who's listening to this podcast. You know, I do want to name that we, I think we so often have a story in our dominant culture that it's just a thing that happens in middle school and high school. And then we grow out of it. And I don't know about you, Mia, but my experience (laughs) is that that's not necessarily the case and that many adults practice it even more than young people. Right. So So we're, so like essentially we're still in mean girl cat, you know, like we're, we're high school parents and still in mean girl. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. Which then brings (laughs) around the next layer of, you know, something my mom speaks to a lot um, in her work and our parent guardian liaison on our team has seen Allison's amazing and, you know, I've seen her working with parents for 15 years is as your kid grows up often it's going to remind you of that time in your life, right? It's going to bring up some of that inner work we might say, or inner growth or inner reparenting. And so whenever, you know, we provide our supplementary program stuff for parents in our community, I'm just always really aware that consciously or unconsciously as your kid goes into those years, what was it like for you? You know? Um, And that stuff can really come up and it's, it's okay. It's healthy. It's normal. You know, we want to work with it consciously so that then you can show up for your kid who may be similar or very different than you are at that time and need very different things. But if we're not being present with what might be coming up, then it can get a little tricky. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So you had an amazing mom <laughs> who yeah. knew all these things. Yeah. So tell us though, a little bit about like, So I still think there's probably people who are like, yeah, great. Like I'm supposed to not like give my kids as much freedom as, as maybe like, maybe I know that inside, like that, that my kids are wanting less freedom. And I mean, it's all over studies. You know, there was a, I think there was a Columbia in their substance abuse um, center did a runs a study every year about family dinner and the impact it has. And it's like pretty much unanimous that like inner city, like rough teen kids want dinner with their families and parents are always sort of surprised that this is the truth. Um, so it's like, it's like a real thing that they want us. And yet still, I think there's this, it's like hard for parents to realize that, you know, there's probably just levels of independence. Like, of course we want to raise independent kids, but we just somewhere got that confused <laughs> of like what that actually totally. means. I mean, that was like the parenting guidebook that everybody talked about, you know, yeah. just let them go. Right. And possibly how many folks themselves were parented. And the first phrase that comes up for me is resistance is not rejection. So please, please, resistance please do not do the disservice of confusing your kids, healthy resistance. They're going to resist you. They're going to be pushing up against your boundaries. Oh my gosh, it'll be so uncomfortable. You might straight up hate it. You might want to scream at them. You might actually scream at them, right? But please do not confuse that with rejection. Rejection is I don't need you. I don't love you. I don't want you. And we can so easily as humans take things personally, especially if the mouth of a teenager is more likely to possibly literally say, I don't need you and I don't want you and I don't love you. But here's the thing. The teenage brain does not fully develop until about age 25 or 26. Okay. And it's different for boys and girls. I think even boys might a little bit, but it might be even later. Right. But it can be in that range. It varies based on the individual, but I think we so often see, you know, a 14 year old who has a great vocabulary or is presenting well and go, wow, they're so mature. They're they're so adult. And all of a sudden they have these more relational tools that they use with you. And you start to maybe even unconsciously feel like you're talking to an adult. And I just really got to remind folks, they are not an adult yet. Yes. They are on their way. Yes. Your kid is brilliant and mature and all those things. And you are the adult in the relationship, right? So when a two-year-old has a tantrum, we know it is developmentally appropriate 
right? Mostly like if you're in the middle of the grocery store and they're lying down screaming for cookies, mostly, right? A healthy parent would go, yeah, I'm probably not going to get on the floor and scream with them about the cookies, right? I'm going to be the grounded presence. I know it's going to pass. I know there's so much brain development happening, but then we get to the teenage years and they have what I might call a teen tantrum and they have way more tools than a two-year-old. And they will often sound more like an adult. And they may also know your buttons to push relationally. And so what I really want to invite parents who are feeling this, who are in the big resistance, maybe even hearing, hearing some hard words like, I hate you from kids. I mean, that one just so sucks to hear. Gutting, right? I really want you to ground in the science and the research. Like there's so many great books you can read, but even just listening to me and Mia talk about this. I have seen how bad it can get. I know how bad it can sound that your kids are saying to you. I promise I have worked with thousands and thousands of preteens and teens. Your kid needs you more than ever in the preteen and teen years, just in a different way. All right. They might not want to hold their hand. They definitely probably don't want you to choose their outfits for them. However, they do want you to be a grounded presence that's holding limits and boundaries and teach them how to care for themselves because how else are they going to learn it, right? Healthy dependence creates true independence. Um, Say that again. Do it. Healthy dependence creates true independence. Okay. Here we that. are everyone. creatures of attachment. Take anything from this show. That's what everyone <laughs> should take. <laughs> yeah. We're creatures of attachments. We're, we're relational. We're hardwired for bonding and for love. And we can learn so much of that in primary relationship and family. And I also believe in mentors. You know, I really believe it takes a village. And um, so many of us are experiencing intense loneliness. Not even like when we're talking about this and recording this in the COVID time. (laughs) Um, But even before that, you know, a high majority of kids, right, report extreme loneliness. And that only went up in COVID. But before that, we were at record highs even. Okay. Yeah. And um, that's devastating, right? That's devastating. And it's actually destabilizing for a kid to have their primary attachment be peers that don't have as much life experience, don't actually know how to support them very well. That's where we see things like self-harm and suicide on the rise, right? Is because we're actually seeing that kids are relying on other kids. It's one of the biggest factors when if they could really rely on that healthy attachment with a stable grounded adult, oh my gosh, kids can be fair with their friends. It's developmentally appropriate, but a stable adult is going to help them ride out the seas of life and development and change. Yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously there's a gamut of people listening to this podcast, including people who are probably like, I don't have a teen yet. Maybe you've already tuned us out, but if you haven't tuned us out yet, um, (laughs) I think it's so important because I mean, you know, you're focused on starting with preteens, but I see parents with three-year-olds thinking their three-year-old is talking like an adult. Like there's just this like idea that somehow you know, we want our kids. I mean, it's, it's kind of like when, when we're wanting them to walk, like, I think anyone who's had a second child knows that like, just, you want them to wait, but on your first kid, you're like, just walk. And like, yeah. it's like, we want all the, we want them to grow up. We want all these milestones, but they're just not ready. And, and part of it might be that it's hard, you know, it is hard. And, and so that like brings us full circle of like, it's hard because we take it on all by ourselves as mothers is even to yeah. the point where, you know, a lot of times I'm coaching moms on how to talk to their husband yeah. who they're somehow aren't yet part of the team. Yeah. So like, we really need to be cultivating like this idea that there is a team and, you know, it doesn't have to mean that you're like family lives next door. It does not have to mean that you're can pay for a babysitter. Like there are all sorts of ways to create yeah. community. Yeah. Um, if that's the focus. Yeah. And you are not bad or wrong for feeling tired, for feeling depleted yeah. and for wanting support. In fact, you're incredibly normal and calm, yeah. right? You know, and <laughs> what we're supposed to want. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, I'd be like, oh, you're feeling tired raising a preteen and teen, and they're not talking to you about everything ever under the sun, and you're not fixing all of their problems. Congratulations. You're doing great. Welcome. Like this is yeah. This is an era where if it's hard, then ask for support. You need support. We all deserve it. Ideally, before it gets really hard, I wish more of us were doing that. You know, um, I just think about how many moments, how many letters you get from parents who, 
you know, their kid comes to them with a hard thing, or they can tell that their kid had a hard day. And the parents like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling depleted. I don't know if I can even support them in the moment. My day was haywire, right? Or they're not really opening up to me, but I went, hey, have you texted your mentor about that? And they light up and rush to their room and then come back two hours later, right? And now I also know because the mentor received all those texts and they hopped on a call. And my vision for parents is that there can be this deep knowing exhale that we got your kid, right? And that we're part of the shared values village, right? And we stand for so many of the things that, you know, the parents in our community stand for. And that, you know, because of peer culture and because of development, we're often an easier go-to for some of our kids, right? And I don't think that's bad. I think um, that's all of us being in it together to support our kids and getting to a grounded, healthy adulthood. Um, where they can yeah. trust themselves and um, yeah. it takes all of us. Yeah. I love that. And, and I just think it's, I mean, if our goal as moms or parents is to just be able to love, like, like yeah. that's really what we need to do. And so often that becomes me, that becomes harder because of all the situations that we feel we have to solve or, fix or do or attend to. And so that's where, like, I just feel like the team helps us. Like if that's our job, if that's what we're protecting, um, then we need help. Yeah. Yeah. And a team that ideally your kid loves. I mean, that's one of the issues we see with so often with mental health is there's kind of like, well, they go to school and, you know, maybe there's community support groups, maybe a guidance counselor, maybe after school clubs that they like. For a lot of kids, school is not a place of vulnerability. It might right. be a place for fun. It might be a place of learning. For a lot of kids, it's neither of those, unfortunately. But rarely is it true a place of vulnerability, right? Yeah. And then we have often therapists. Okay, so you know, you might be in a home where that's normalized. We go to therapy as a family, or it might be okay when we're in red flag territory. We really need to get, you know, get the big guns out, go to hardcore therapy, and get the support we need. And I'm like, what if we could have something way fill up that massive in-between space where it's normal (laughs) for us to have conversations about, you know, our mental health, about our emotional intelligence, about periods, about body image, about confidence, about shame, about, um, you know, toxic diet culture. Like if we can be in there with young people, I believe that we as adults have the tools now, right? So many of us have done this healing ourselves and, we can go back in and support our teens so that whatever does come up, you know, they don't go through alone. And I think there's really less to fix than we might want as adults and much more for us to learn to be with and support them through, Um, you know, and, you know, you mentioned my mom a few times who I adore and that I do have an awesome mom who got so many of these things and knew so many things of these things. My mom didn't have that in her mom, you know, so she was really like rewriting the whole rule book as she went right? Of parenting and specifically parenting a girl. And yet I still struggled and she knows this, right? I really struggled, right? I had, I struggled with body image. I struggled with dating and I was really open with her about most of it. And, um, it's because the toxic culture and the toxic peer culture was so massive that even having this amazing mom in my corner, um, I still needed, (laughs) Yeah. More, right. And so I say that because that's also why I created this was I was lonely as a teen, even though I was a kid that had a lot of friends. Um, yeah. I was so hungry for depth and uh, for something different than at least what it seemed like on the outside. A lot of my peers were interested in and we create that creative space. Yeah. In the badass girls world. My girl is a badass girl. I will say that out loud because I haven't said that yet. <laughs> She's totally loving it. So when something you said a minute ago, just yeah. like caught my ear. Cause I know it's going to catch someone's ear, which is, um, I think you said something along the line of, you know, everybody's feeling evolved or whatnot. And I just feel like even the most evolved women I know have moments of feeling like they're a bad mom or, yeah. you know, they don't have their body image thing all tied yeah. up in a bow and, um, you know, they're not loving their bodies. And ironically, you know, for anyone who is a mom of a teen, like, we just, I just had an interview with Dr. Anna Kabeca actually, and she showed this graph of like what's happening to hormones of women in their forties. Like, meanwhile, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's not yeah. fair. It's like really not quite funny. 
So, um, <laughs> so yep. it's like, you know, it's real. Yeah. So tell us about that because like, I just want to, I want to normalize like this whole thing about perfect mother as well, because that's not really a thing. <laughs> like, and yeah. Perfect it doesn't, doesn't need exist. to be. Yeah, and it, Perfect doesn't yeah. exist. It's why my podcast is called Be Real. And that was just from the mouths of our girls because thing like badass, everything that I named is because girls said it to me a hundred times as the thing that was on their heart. And I went, okay, hell yeah, I'm here for that. And the number one thing they said, and it became this question that I would ask again and again, as the opening of every workshop I led for a few years would, what would change in your life if yeah. you were more real? And there would just be this exhale. And then somebody would start to cry. Like, I'm not kidding. I'd sit in a room of 30 or 90 and somebody would just start to cry because no one had asked them that, right? There was just this softening that would happen in the shoulders and we'd go around the room and girl after girl would tell us what it would be, right? It would be, whether it'd be around, I wouldn't be so mean to myself. I'd finally talk to my mom. I um, would feel everything that I feel and not think that I'm crazy for feeling as big as I feel. Um, I would eat when I'm hungry, right? I'd be kinder to my body. Um, I'd rest, right? Like there was just this big, they knew the answers. Like, you know, I would sit yeah, there and yeah. listen to these oracles. And um, I think, you know, whatever age we are, specifically if we've been raised as girls, right? Here's this gendered piece. There can be such an emphasis on perfection, right? Yeah. Perfection as an attainable goal. And it's such BS because there's no such thing as perfect. And it will lead us to missing the sweet present of our lives, right? And so what I like to offer to our community and offer to y'all here as well is this practice of being real, because I believe it's a practice. And we talk about it in three ways in our community. We think it's a question, right? It's a question we ask ourselves like every day, like what does being real feel like to you today, right now? There's no answer. There's no rule book. There's this fascinating thing that happens because so many of us are taught about perfectionism that I say, oh, let's be real. And then everybody wants to get being real, right? <laughs> They're like, okay, but right? like, how, do I, how do I perfectly be real? <laughs> right? So yeah, y'all listening and are feeling that I got you, right? I see you, right? <laughs> We, we take the perfectionism thing and then try to apply it to even like self-help or being authentic or like yeah, loving our inner child. And I'm 100%. like, no, the whole point is being real. So it's a question. It's, it's probably going to be different than mine or Mia's, but that's the point. We get to have safety in difference. We get to be different. Yeah. So the next one for me is re um, being real as a feeling in your body. So like, what does being real feel like? And can that feeling be a North star? Can that feeling be the direction you point your compass, right? You make decisions on what feels real in your body. And it's a practice starting little doable pieces, right? What do yeah. I want to eat? What am I hungry for? You know, what feels nourishing? Um, and we can make the bigger decisions. And then the third one is it's a practice and a practice means we practice at it every day, right? We don't, we don't, we're not perfect at it. We're never going to be perfect at it, but it's worthy of our devotion to be more real and to be more ourselves. So I'm here to say to y'all parents who are feeling like the perfect bug, the need to be perfect is that your kid does not need a perfect parent. You are not hurting them by not being perfect because what they need is a real parent, somebody who is on their own journey of self-discovery, self-love, you know, who's in age appropriate ways saying like, Hey, yeah, honey, if you're raising a girl, right. And you're um, uh, a mom being like, you know what? The body image thing, it can be tricky sometimes. Because <laughs> guess what? If you're not perfect, you're not pretending to be perfect. Then guess what? Your kid doesn't need to pretend to be perfect either in your home. Yeah. And that's the biggest gift because then we can all be messy and human and real and kind and trying together. Um, yeah. And that's one of the bravest things I think a parent can do. Yeah. I love that. And the one thing I would add to that is that I just think that like, like, I think that we're being real and we're coming into combination with that, that what you said, the age appropriate, like, I actually think that's yep. the one thing that sometimes <laughs> we have to learn because I don't think that society has given us quite the right message, which is why we're like pushing kids out into peer culture. Like, totally. so I just age think sometimes we yes. have to learn, like, what is really age appropriate and like, how do I stay in my role as parent? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's all being one. honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can be honest in an age appropriate way. One of the things that you want to try never to do to the best of our abilities or to do less and less is to um, come to your kid with a part that's feeling part of your life. That's feeling really um, raw 
or yeah. open or in need of holding. And so that's where I love that you were talking about me about like you having mentors and you having adult community, because that's what we really want to bring to our age appropriate adults. Right. So, um, you know, we can acknowledge like, oh, yeah, I'm having a hard moment. And when I'm having a hard moment, I'm going to call one of my friends or take care of myself. I love you. You know, I'm going to go take care of myself, catch you on the other side. And even if they're like, I want your attention now, what a beautiful thing you're modeling that we then go take care of ourselves so that you can show up as mom would say for the task of mothering full, (laughs) not empty. Right. So I feel like, um, obviously I'm not a parent and yet as a mentor, it's something I train a lot of people. I train our whole team in, we talk about boundaries and sharing what's appropriate because we do share about our lives with our mentees as part of how we teach. And yet I really watch for that wobble in myself. And we're one of our, one of our go-to phrases is to share from scars, not wounds, which can be an intense way to say it, but Ooh, it's I also like that. Scars, good one, right? Wounds. Like good. we'll share yeah. the hard stuff, but if it is raw, if it is in present time need of holding, I can tell you it is not appropriate for younger person because they're going to feel it. Even if you're not saying like, ah, oh, it's a raw open wound, my body image. If you're like, I'm doing good, but they're seeing some of the behaviors, you know, that could be a sign that like, okay, where can you get more support? Cause your kid's going to feel how that begins yes. to shift when you get that support. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I love the modeling, the, the modeling of support. Like that's definitely been huge in my world and probably actually why my girl was so open to even, you know, working so. with Eliza and her team, because, you know, she's seen me in my circles and I have to tell you, Every time I walk out the door to go do something or like hop on a zoom call and it's like known that it's like with my weight ladies, like yeah. eyes are rolled, like oh, mama's totally. the crazy moon lady, you know, like many yeah. eyes are rolled many times a day, but it doesn't matter. They're still like taking it in at some level, you know, and, yeah. and you can still see the importance of it in yeah. like just how they can show up. Yeah. Well, they, they are even more than what we say. They're watching what we do. That's really yeah. what we see again and again, you know, um, it's yeah, it's, it's precious and, and intense and it matters. Yeah. How we live. They're really watching because, you know, like that body image piece that, you know, circling back around to being imperfect is, you know, I remember in the early days of my teenage years, you know, my mom has really had really been on a journey with her body image, right? So my mom had an eating disorder when she was a teenager. And so um, I grew up in a house without scales, right? And I still really struggled in a similar and different direction than my mom with body stuff. And, um, you know, like many mothers, she would tell me how beautiful I am, right? Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so amazing. You're so beautiful, right? And I think there was a time where she was a little bit less like that to herself. And I remember yeah. one day I just called her on it because I was like, of course, how do you, because this is me, a little firecracker. <laughs> why do you say that to me? But then you don't say that about yourself. And in our case, she's my biological mom. And I'm like, I am you, like, I look like you. Right. And so I was picking up on that layer of talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. Right. Yes. So she could say all the nice things. Right. So if we're saying all the things like, you deserve rest and self-care. You're so wonderful, but we're not doing any of those in our actual lives. Again, watch if the perfect things come in here. I'm not here for the shame blame. I've done it too. But just knowing that when we do take the courageous action to start to practice that, even if it's just a little doable piece by little doable piece, being loving with ourselves, letting your kids see you, um, you know, feeling beautiful or practicing self-care or self-respect or body neutrality, whatever feels available to you. And there's so many beautiful things we can get into there. Um, that seeing you practice that is going to be the game changer. So, yeah. And I would say, I'm just going to say that that's definitely just as impactful for boys. All the things, even though we wouldn't think of it. (laughs) I know it's 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 statistically up in boys more and more body stuff, and it always has been. We're just tracking it, I think. So yeah, 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 yeah. Every human. Um, (laughs) So good, so good, and so I mean, it's what actually one of the reasons your mom and I are doing this course is because I just had a similar experience of you know yeah needing to find my path back after dealing with the trauma with a kid, and it's yeah um, it's a constant yeah you know, it's a constant evolution. Like, and one of the reasons that I think we do that thing of (laughs) pushing them out or is because we think there's some, the other thing society has told us is there's this end destination. 
Like we go to college or we get a job or we're out of the house and then like, we're done with our job. But I think most people listening, like, I mean, I never depended on my parents more. I don't, I think I depended on them more once I had kids than in my teenage years, (laughs) you know, like, so it's a, it's a journey. It's always a journey. Just as I was saying, yeah, they need you just as much, if not more, but in a different way. Different way. Society is telling us that part of it. Yeah. 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 It's emotional instead of physical. So for anyone with little kids, like who are feeling just super exhausted by just like the, like, you know, whatever, running about running around. Like I actually tell all my friends all the time, like, I love having teenagers because it's just like the figure outer in me. Like I love just getting into it and like helping people figure things out. Like, so I love the energy. I did not love, you know, running across the field to rescue a toddler from falling into a pond or whatever, you know, but like, so it's just different, but it's a different kind of, but it's still energy. Well, I love hearing you say that you love, love having teens. I wish more people heard that. And I am like cheering for anybody who is listening to this, who has, doesn't have a team yet, but as a kid who, who's growing in that direction, because you're preparing so brilliantly and those years do not have to be, you know, like our culture tells us like awful. You don't have to just, oh like, God, I think they're the best. Exactly. I, I better and better and better. I think yeah. you're amazing. <laughs> I love teenagers. I mean, obviously I've given 15 years to this and um, many more to come. And I think teens are brilliant and feisty and needed and oracles and deep feelers, and they can teach us so much. And, you know, so many of us in the self-growth space talk a lot about like that inner child healing. And I've been giggling about that recently because I'm like all into inner teen healing and how so many of us, you know, didn't embrace that part of ourselves because we heard these negative stereotypes about teens, like they're bratty and rebellious and selfish and vain and self-involved and, you know, mean and, you know, sure that can happen for reasons we discussed, but really the teens that I know are loyal and loving and kind and yeah big feelings, but it's a big world. And there's a lot to feel about in this world. So kind of brilliantly awake. And yeah, sometimes they do kind of numb out and opt out, but like kind of brilliant because again, they're a generation that's being born that like being told the world is ending, you know, like, right. Like brilliant to have some coping mechanisms and yeah, we keep developing those a little more healthy ways sometimes. Like, I just think, um, teenagers are amazing developmental miracles. And I wish more of our society felt like they had the tools to celebrate and stay with them in this part, in this time, in these years. Yeah. I love it. Stay with them. Yeah. We can stay with them. Not only need to fix them. They're not a problem, but we can learn to stay with it. And I think the more we develop the capacity to stay with ourselves, the more yeah. we can genuinely stay with them. And as the teenage years come, we do have a lot of, I often say to folks, like the, the, the issues that rise to the surface, the developmental thresholds that come up in the teenage years are pretty much exactly the topics that our culture is most uncomfortable with, right? So it's like, of course you would run kind of screaming from the teenage years and be like, yeah, yeah, go figure that out somewhere else, whatever. You don't need me because we've got what? Sex and consent and pleasure. We've got periods for folks who cycle, right? Um, We've got uh, drugs, alcohol coming up and those kind of choices. I also think we have relationship to purpose, meaning what's my place in the world, which can also be a relationship to mental health, death, like big questions, like existential as well as intimate body. And I think because so many of us weren't supported by adults who knew how to stay with us in the teenage years around these big topics, it can feel daunting. But the more that we cultivate our ability to like stay in there with those topics, like so many parents ask me like, how do I make the sex conversation not awkward? And I'm like, you're the one who's mostly making it awkward. (laughs) Right. Talk about the dinner table every night. I swear to God, sometimes I'm like, did we make it like abstinence a thing because we talk about it too much? Like, I'm not sure. Like if we, I don't know if this has had a good effect, but it comes up all the time at the dinner table. (laughs) Well, more information. Well, the statistics that really show that the more information that kids have sooner. Yeah. Statistically, actually the later they wait because it's not like a forbidden unknown mystery. It's yeah. actually like, oh yeah, it's just another choice I can make. And I understand how this works. 
you know, um, same with open conversations around alcohol and substances is you see different choices because it's not hidden. And even if parents are like, well, I just want to be private. It's not quite the right time. The the tricky thing is that when something is, um, it might feel private to you, it's often interpreted to kids as secretive, which then is shameful. So we only talked about it once. And so even if you're like, okay, we had our big sex talk, bring it back anytime you want to talk to me about it. What they're actually going to interpret in lived experiences, it was a really big deal to talk about once. It was a really long kind of uncomfortable (laughs) conversation because you've never talked about it before. And I have no tools or no normalization to bring it up in day-to-day life versus I'm all for the lots of little conversations. So yes, for dinner, watching TV shows or the car, unpacking lyrics and a radio song that comes on. I'm here for all those little moments. (laughs) Yeah. Little moments rule Uh, and talking about it really has had some interesting effects on my teenagers, at least. Yeah, <laughs> totally. um, all right. So we're, we're coming to the end. I think we've covered a lot. Yeah. What comes to mind right now is just because I was just, again, reading the page that your mother and I have created for Easeful Motherhood about, you know, her, her definition of motherhood is allowing your kids to become themselves. What's your definition of daughtering? My definition of daughtering is oh, showing your mother your real self. Yeah, I love as that. You, that's really a simple one. And then I go a little bit into more independence and dependence when I teach about it, but it's really like so many, so many um, kids and specifically daughters have this belief. Y'all are a little psychic sometimes, but that you can like actually read our minds. <laughs> And so a lot of my work with daughters of any age is that if you want your parent to know the real you, you have to show it to them. You have to tell them, you have to learn how to communicate um, and be your real self. And um, yeah, it's okay to be. Yeah. And and our work around here as the mothers is to allow that because I can say is a very open, like that, like. I would put that on a bumper sticker person. It is not always easy, you know, oh, yeah. just because, you know, it's, it, it takes work. It takes practice, you know, yeah. even for those of us who feel like we've done a lot of work on ourselves, like there, yeah. our kids are here to teach us something. <laughs> so of course they're going to bring yeah. us the things that bring up the most, okay. right? Oh yeah. Always. <laughs> the exact thing. Yep. Pretty so, so we have to do the work to be able to hear them and hear what they're telling us because many of us probably tried to speak up as well and weren't weren't able to be heard and so our job is to be able to hear yeah so beautiful all right so if you want your girl to have some tools so that she keeps talking so that you can practice listening (laughs) we're gonna put some notes into we're gonna put in the show notes we'll have a whole bunch of ways to connect with eliza because um her academy is open for enrollment It, it runs like a school year it so we it's start like in October every year, but applications are open. Um, mentorship circles have really capped numbers there. So that's the get on that one quick and Academy you can fill on up. we got preteen communities, younger teen communities, older teen communities, amazing mentors. We cover so many topics. It's really like what we, the education we believe all preteen and teens socialized as girls should receive, but they're not getting in schools and schools aren't the right place to do it. And you shouldn't be the only one trying to have sex conversations with your kid. We can do it too. <laughs> awesome. Another I topic. love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. So glad to be here. Thanks so much, Mia. At the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes. So you can take what you've heard and put it into action. Because I do believe that action is where real change happens. But the thing about action is it doesn't have to be huge. It really can be the little things that add up over time. In fact, I believe that it's a lot more powerful to let the little things add up over time because then we really make sustainable change. So after every episode, we always choose three things from my conversations with all of our amazing guests so that you can choose one and really lean into it for a week and make it fit into your schedule, make it work in your life and make it your own because that's the way that you will stack these changes up over time. So in my conversation with Eliza, there was a lot of good nuggets. So we chose three. Number one, get clear on your values. Getting clear on your values matters for a couple of reasons. 
Number one, you'll share your values with your kids based on what you say and do, and they are sponges. But also, if you're looking to intentionally create community, you're going to look for people who share your values. So start listing your values, what they mean, how they show up in your life. You might start with some ideas based on an episode that we did on our podcast on the family brand, which is um, linked to in the show notes. All right, number two, seek mentors for your kids. Eliza was here really because she specializes in preteens and teens, specifically girls, but I just want to say seek mentors for your kids at every age. This looks a little bit different at every age, but your kindergartners can play with third graders on the playground. <laughs> like there's always an opportunity for somebody a little older, maybe a little bit wiser, um, to really be there for your kiddo. And it doesn't have to be a parent or a teacher. It can be an actual person who's just a little bit older. Helping our kids connect with adults of different ages in your community is definitely a way to do that, especially as our kids become preteens and teens. So think about who they already have connections to, people they might know. So do you, does your kid need a tutor? What's the coach like on the little league team? Do you ever hire sitters or people to come over while you're out for the night or away for the week? Like who are those people? What are they passing on to your kids? And start to do this really, really purposefully. Make space to nurture those bridges. I made such good friends with different babysitters and caregivers who came into my kid's life. They taught me so much. I was able to teach them so much. And because we were close, I knew that what they were passing on to my kids was really solid because we were so clear about our values. If you have a preteen or teen girl, I highly, highly recommend you check out what Eliza has created. Um, the Badass Girls Academy is amazing, and she's actually training the mentors. So for most of us, we're having to use our intuition to make sure that the mentors that we're putting in front of our kids are teaching them something or helping them in some way, which usually they are just, by the way, being in a different age group. Um, but Eliza's really thoughtfully um, created and taught and mentored her mentors so that they're talking about things that don't always get talked about in, in the greater world. Um, my, I have, one of my girls is in her program and it's amazing. And I will also say that, you know, the interns that have worked with my husband, the, um, cousins that have come into our life that are older and stayed nearby during a summer, um, the different caregivers that my kids have had, they remember all of them and they learned little bits from each one, little things that made a big difference and weren't me and my husband teaching. So you really can create some level of mentorship on your own. So if you don't have a girl or you don't have a teen or a tween yet, just know that you can create this a little bit. It just takes some thought and really starting with that first step of knowing your values so that you can pinpoint others in your community with your values who can be part of your tribe, which is just so fun. Okay, number three, get more real. What would change in your life if you were more real? Such a good question. Eliza asked this question of the preteens and teens she works with, but it works for parents too. And actually, I would say it's pretty important for us to answer first. Get quiet and ask yourself this question or get together with another group with a group of moms or women, friends that you have, or family members, and all answer it together. Your kids don't need perfect parents. Can I say that again? Your kids don't need perfect parents. They need real ones. What would change if you were more real? How can you make that a doable change this week? How do you need to shift your energy, shift how you're showing up so that you can shift up? 
shift up so that you can show up in a more real way. This is really great work, perhaps more than a week long, um, but just even bringing that to consciousness, bringing that top of mind for a full week can be so powerful. All right, y'all, those were the three changes. Get clear on your values, seek mentors for your kids, get more real. Which one of those are you going to take on this week? And don't forget to go check out Eliza's Badass Girls Academy if you have a preteen or teen who you know needs that mentorship and you don't know how to find it within your community. It's a really powerful place um, on the internet. Not so unlike what we've created for moms, but for your kids, which is just so cool. And I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals Podcast. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. Visit healthymomsmeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms, get new recipes and tips, and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at healthymomsmeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.